We are live streaming. We are live, 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 live. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> All right. I'm a bit delirious today because I've got the flu, the cold, or the nose is running. And um, so please forgive me. <laughs> but welcome to the Inner Sanctum online session. So wonderful to be here with you all again. And our very special guest today is Cynthia Sulas. And welcome, Cynthia. Oh, thank you. Such a pleasure to be with you. So great to have you back. Like you were on the show last year and I revisited our conversation, such a great conversation on ATP Media last year. And uh, there's lots to chat about. Let me just, um, I'm just, uh, uh, there we go. And, um, but, you know, there's been, let me, hang on, for people that don't know you, I'll just do a quick bio read, very quick very quick, very quick. But I have a question for you, which is something a friend of mine posed. Kristen and I were talking about it, actually. Um, Global Human Mind Redesign Project. That's what you call uh, your business, your work? (laughs) Not exactly. It was uh, something that I worked on um, back in 1987, right after the first harmonic convergence. And um, it was something that I was doing in the astral realms, it was like a lucid dream project, um, but it was real. So it was something I was involved in um, as quality assurance. So I got interviewed for it um, by um, basically a being. Um, I was working with a whole number of different beings. Some of them uh, seemed humanoid and some of them really didn't. And that was okay because what we were looking at was the next uh, next level of human consciousness on the planet. Remember, that was 1987, so going forward, um, now it, it's easier to look back and see what happened next. What happened next is the Crystal Kids, the Indigo Kids, um, all those kids came through, and they were the result of what that project was really about. It was uh-huh. looking at, um, basically, there were some criteria. Going forward, it would be nice for humans to maintain creativity without going crazy, to be able to be compassionate and empathetic deeply. Um, also without going crazy. So when the more you can sense how others are feeling, that can be an issue. And the more creativity you have, that can be an issue. So it was really a balancing act of looking at these possible mind designs that were being presented by a number of different beings. And like I said, I was, um, I was interviewed for the quality assurance part of the project. That meant I understood the criteria of the project, what we're looking for, and if things seemed untenable, then it was my job to basically give the bad news to the, usually the aliens you at least want to speak to, (laughs) you know, they would be, (laughs) because they scare people, they get a bad reputation. So it it would be their reptilians that we did have reptilians presenting their idea of where humans could next go. And that was, those are some of the fails. Um, There's some black beetle guys that had some fails. So I was basically saying, if, if it was a fail, then it's like, just start over. <laughs> but if there was, if it was pretty good and it just needed a little reworking, then I would say, this is pretty good, but there's some issues. So that, that was my role. And it lasted for a couple of weeks. Um, it was an extraordinary experience because I kept feeling like I was being um, whisked away. I was working my day job by day, my night job by night. So this is something I'm part of that humanity is part of. It's really for all of us. It's not just me. And it was a huge project and I did get to meet some amazing beings. I didn't talk about it at the time because I felt oh. it was before I started Reality Shifters. And 
frankly, I was still working with my MBA degree at Citibank as an information technology um, fast track <laughs> manager. I was being fast tracked for the vice presidency. So clearly this is not the kind of thing to talk about. Um, it's kind of a career destroyer, <laughs> I would think. So well, I just didn't, didn't bring career it up. Destroyer, yeah, career <laughs> destroyer. Yeah. Early career in the third dimensional world. But yeah, this totally dovetails with the question I want to pose to you, actually, when you talk about the crystal children and, you know, the result of the global human mind redesign project. Um, but let me anyway, finish your bio. Cynthia C. Larson is a best-selling author of um, many consciousness expanding books, including Quantum Jumps, Reality Shifts, High Energy Money, uh, Aura Advantage, and Karen Kimball and the Dreamweavers Web the founder of Reality Shifters, first president of the International Mandela Effects Conference, managing director of Foundations of Mind and creator and host of the Living the Quantum Dream podcast. And she reminds us every day, how good can it get? So the book, Karen Kimball and the Dreamweaver's Web, you said to me last time, is a book for young people, like for teenagers, right? Is it a fictional book, is it? It's fiction. It's good for anyone who likes to read young adult novels. So I wouldn't put an age restriction on it. If you like okay. that kind of fiction, it's perfect. Then it's for you. <laughs> I had a friend reach out to me. She's got a 15-year-old and she said, do you know a book for like a teenager that talks about, you know, teenage starseed? So what we're seeing with these new kids coming in is they're uber sensitive, ultra sensitive, and they don't fit into the whole paradigm of the school. And, and so they're desperately trying to fit in with other people. I mean, I have to say her daughter is really gregarious and outgoing, but so sensitive. And, and basically they suffer, like they just suffer from their sensitivity. And it's so funny. I've spoken to so many people over the years and I could not think of a book for a teenager like that. And then I, when I was reading that, I'm thinking, does this book fit that criteria? Yes. Yes, it, it yeah. does. <laughs> it's about a young girl and she goes to a swim camp and brings her pet rat with her and she learns about meditation and astral travel, lucid dreaming and kind of working with true conscious agency, but without using any of those buzzwords, really, you know, so just the experiences of all of that without getting stuck. Sometimes humans are really good at labeling things and then assuming since we've labeled it scientifically, we know we know everything there is to know about it and nothing could be farther from the truth. We know gravity, but we still can't say exactly whether it can be quantized or not. We don't know how to explain it properly. Time is another big one. So, so this book just kind of touches on these, the, the experience of all of this, the experience of, you know, doing these kinds of things and animal communication, talking with other beings telepathically, all of that. So it's, for me, it's a good primer for anybody who's expanding into this new sense of being part of this globally redesigned human mind, you know, because that's what's happening. And it's open for all of us. If people are listening and they think, well, I was born before 1987, um, it's quite possible that some of us were front runners, like the, I'm sure I was. And I think that's mm -hmm. definitely true for probably most of the people here with, with yeah, your yeah. group. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Like they talk about the um, indigo kids. You know, I was an indigo kid and I'm old now. Yeah, but uh, yeah, didn't do 3D school. Amazingly creative, incredibly psychic. Didn't know I was psychic because I didn't understand psychic ability. And yeah, just, just struggled. I remember 
um, just like my friend's daughter, that desire, because when she was telling me about her daughter, I thought back to when I was a teenager, that desire to want to fit in. Like um, I remember asking my dad in the car one day when he was driving me to school, you know, what does it take to be popular? Like to, to have that desire to fit in. And, um, and yeah, and I look back at that now and it's like, why do you want to fit in when you can stand out? Like, why do you want to fit in when you can be a, a leader, you know? But what would you say to kids that are like that? Well, each one is so unique. So I'd really um, invite them to get to learn to trust their own relationship first with themselves. And and by that, I mean, there are different levels of ourselves. So it's good to get to know yourself. Um, who are you when you're dreaming? Who are you when you're daydreaming? Who are you when you're just in nature? Because sometimes that's the first clue for such a child to get to sense like, oh, that is different than when I'm with people. And to start to notice, like, what are those differences, you know, and how are, how are you adapting in each situation? Because we do that. And the way that we do it is very unique to each of us. And learning about ourselves is the key to pretty much everything. It's the key to learning how to be happy, how to find goals that work for each of us, uh, relate to the earth and to animals and nature and people and what we're doing, tasks and ideas. So yeah. it's it's really the key to everything is yeah. just paying attention. <laughs> and, you know, these kids are the reality shifters as we kind of wind down, <laughs> you know, these kids coming forward are, uh, yeah, they're the reality shifters. They're the ones bringing in a new paradigm, aren't they? And yeah. they are doing TikToks about reality shifting. They're popularizing the topic. And yeah, I think oh, that's wow. really cool. One -on -one. Yeah. Who said that? Oh, I'm glad. That was good. That was better for you. Or was it? Yeah. You know. Sounds like I might mute Pat. I think that's Pat. Someone's having a conversation. Um, is everyone muted? <clears throat> yeah, I think they are. Are they doing TikToks about reality shifting? Are they cool? Yes, they I haven't are. Seen that. Yeah, I'm not doing much TikTok myself, but I heard about it from my daughter who told me, like, Mom, this is becoming a big thing now. There are millions of views about reality shifting. And there's techniques being taught, like the starfish technique and so forth, which basically is just a, is a process of putting your arms like a starfish. If your head is one point and your arms are the other two, then you've got your feet spread out and you're lying down and just entering into a very relaxed meditative state, then it makes it easier to go into a lucid state, like a lucid dreaming. And eventually if you can access these states of consciousness and meditation as well, uh, just to imagine that you're going into a different reality. So these people are practicing that and they understand intuitively, automatically, that you can engage the rational analytical side of your brain, your mind, by doing something like counting to 100 or something like that, keeping it busy so that you can work with your intuitive, expansive um, part of your, your mind um, most effectively by keeping the rational analytical occupied. And these are pretty advanced techniques, but the, this generation of people coming out now doing these videos on TikTok, they, they're often people in their teens, their 20s, and they're just really adept at it. I think the pandemic was an opportunity really to for them to see, is it possible, for example, to jump reality shift into uh, an imaginal place like Hogwarts? Can you just find yourself there? And because of the lockdown and so much of the restriction, 
it was there was a lot of um, motivation to practice these things. But these are the generation of kids that really have these abilities that we were working on back in the 1980s. And so it's really cool to see it happening. Yeah, absolutely. What are some other um, spotlight? What what are some other um, things that we can do to like <clears throat> just having this cold? Like, so I got the cold a couple of days ago. Just got a runny nose and thought, oh, just got a runny nose, and then it just eventually um, got worse. Like I thought, I'll just have a good sleep and it'll be cool. I'll be fine in the morning. That was yesterday, and I wasn't fine in the morning. And I thought, mm, isn't this interesting? I have an opportunity to shift my reality right now and not be sick. How do I do that? Like, how do I do that? I haven't done that yet, but, you know, just think of myself well, which is what I was doing. What are some other techniques to shift our reality? Yeah, I mentioned the conscious agency and knowing ourselves. To me, that's the key for everything. And it takes a lot of practice. So it's not yet a recipe where you can just follow the steps and boom, everyone can do it. (laughs) But I can describe it and then I can give you an idea. So if you recognize levels of conscious agency within yourself, you notice you for example you've got your heart center where you can feel who you love and how you're connected to everyone and you've got your gut feelings that are down lower in the subconscious area and then we've got our head and so forth if you look at the seven chakra areas like the crown third eye the throat and so forth so that's seven six five the heart's four and then so forth solar plexus three dantian is two the root chakra is one these are levels of uh, conscious agency that we all have access to kind of like a car has maybe six cylinders or eight cylinders we've got these seven chakras so if you recognize that you need alignment um, and that you're capable of shifting reality best when you're all lined up when your chakras your energy centers your levels of conscious agency are in agreement obviously um, then it's important to listen to see what is going on so if it chances are when i get sick i I I do my best to go um, to tune in with very soft eyes, um, which is the opposite of of really like a laser focus. So two ways to look at reality with your high sense perception. One is kind of 360 degree, very soft eyes, soft focus awareness, where you're just looking with the softest, gentlest eyes possible. And the end result there would be invisibility. So you're capable of observing without being seen. Um, But there's very little um, judgment at that level. So you're just soaking it all in and you're not predisposing your own ideas of what you might be receiving. So it's just wide open. The other end of that would be um, just really um, focusing on the specificity of something. So it would be another way of observing, but looking for specifics. We do that when we measure temperature or height or something like that. You're measuring specifics at that level. So I'm recommending go to the most invisibility level. Just really be the softest eyes possible, viewing all of yourself, all seven of these energy centers. We also have higher level agency. And this gets interesting. (laughs) So those of us who meditate, who are probably part of your inner sanctum, chances are good. You're also operating at level eight, level nine, and so forth. Um, You might not be able to hang on to that, but I'm mentioning it because as you move up and maintain complete um, integrity with all of yourself, so that you're not forcing yourself to do something that feels wrong, 
um, but you're listening to yourself. Okay, I'm just I'm just sharing all these ideas. We're going to come back to your question. <laughs> so these are all the big ideas laid out pretty well. Now, um, when I get sick, I got sick the day before Thanksgiving last year, and I thought, okay, phooey, I, I wanted to have people come over. Obviously, if I'm sick, it's going to mess with the whole thing. Ideally, I'd like to get well. So then I, I tune into my whole self, how what's going on, and I feel like, um, what do I need? How am I feeling? What do I need at each level of these chakras, these levels of conscious agency? And in my case, at that time, it was just stop everything. Don't try to get so much done. Um, be content with not being perfect, but um, you're just going to need to sleep pretty much starting now. And so I did that. Long story short, in that case, I was well in a couple of hours. Um, but I thought, well, I feel better after I took a nap, but I'll just go. I'll, now I just go to bed like it's a normal evening and, and the cold, cold cleared up. In other cases, um, not that time, but other times, previous times I've been sick, which has been quite a while. Since I, the only time I've been sick is that time for a couple hours, um, day before Thanksgiving and then January, 2020. That's That's been it. <laughs> But anyway, but if I go back in time, I have been sick other times, and then I'll recognize there's a message for me. I'm doing, usually for me, I'm doing too much. I'm I tend, going into my type A personality, trying to be perfect at everything. And the message is don't, just slow it down, do less. And if I heed that message, then suddenly the integrity of all of my levels of conscious agency lines up. I can feel it when it happens. And then it's kind of like, okay, you're clear. You can be healed now. And it really is like a quantum jump in that point. So that's what works for me. It may be different for you. But the idea with the levels of self, it's still a good idea because you might notice that there's something that you may not have heard in some part of yourself. And I'm just saying for me, it's always always the same thing. It's like doing that type A thing. Like you've got the checklist, the to-do list, trying to do too much. Yeah, for sure. It's always a message. It's it, yeah, it's always a message. Like I'm like, well, okay, what's the message here? Uh, and um, for me, I felt like it was diet. I hadn't been really eating. I'd been eating probably too much carbohydrate and and sugar, and probably not enough greens, and definitely vitamin C. The first thing I thought was masses of vitamin C. Yeah, vitamin C, vitamin C. But yeah, always a message. Take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Slow down. Rest. Take care of yourself. Yeah, stop stressing. There's always a message there for sure. Yeah. All right. Has anyone got any questions? There's no questions so far. Kristen, you said you can't find, you can't access the restream. Um, if you go to the front page, you'll see Cynthia talking there on the front page. I haven't been able to access it either. See all events. Um, settings. Sorry. Just uh, let me see if there's anyone. Anyone? here got any questions oh Shirley you've got your hand up darling do you want to come on camera you're muted you have to unmute oh I'm going to put you on camera you have to unmute hun got it there yeah. got it go for it no you're muted again hello Am I unmuted? Yeah, Excellent. Um, I saw a video recently with uh, Cynthia, with uh, uh, you playing with the AI chatbot. 
and uh, testing out some Mandela effects. And it was pretty fascinating. And I wondered if you'd done more of that uh, or if you'd had a chance to just um, uh, process what had happened with uh, the Berenstein Bears. That's a good question. I haven't done any more with it. I, I checked to see if I was able to uh, ask any more questions. I don't have a cell phone, so that limits some of the things I'm able to do. So, and apparently you can't get onto OpenAI if you don't have a cell phone, interestingly. Mm. So um, that's fascinating. Um, but my thoughts on it, I have an IT background and I've been, I've written research papers and given talks about if our artificial intelligence asks questions, will nature answer? And I gave that talk at a conference where we were honoring the physicist um, who has written quite a few books about this and he's been just incredible, um, Henry Stapp. And he used to um, do some work with another physicist who is famous for coming up with this idea of the participatory universe. And that's um, um, John Archibald Wheeler. And so anyway, um, let's bring it back to what you're asking about. The, the chat, the, the, the <laughs> that chat GPT is something anyone with a cell phone can access who wants to you know, type in their cell phone information, sign up with open AI, and it's available for everyone to play with. Um, my observations about it are that it's working with a database and it's being guided, of course. There are humans who have set it up to follow sort of a framework. Um, it seems really good at answering questions in the form of sort of essay answers like you might write if you're in high school or college. And it's um, very good at um, providing information that you might have looked up on Google yourself or in some mm -hmm. other search engine. And so what's interesting when we ask the question about the Berenstein Bears, I forget how we phrased it now, but anyway, it, it's people want, if they want to see that, they can go to the YouTube channel, International Mandela Effect Conference. And it was just recently that we did this. We have a special video on it about the about the AI. So you just find it directly that way. It's short. I think the first the first question um, posed was, um, "Who are something like who are the the bears who dispense and uh, um, uh, good advice to cartoon bears to children or something?" Yeah. And it came up stain bears, right? And then it apologized to you, which yes. I thought was interesting for this AI. Like, what are they catfishing us, or what's the name of that thing? You know, where they they try to make us feel good, and then they're really teasing us. You know, um, <laughs> so like, what was going on with that? That was interesting because then it corrected itself. It seems yeah. like there may be some setting. Yeah, I think in terms of programming, because I've done a lot of programming. I've programmed with COBOL, BASIC, Fortran, a bunch of other mm -hmm. <laughs> things. And I see that as an opportunity yeah. for like white hats to yeah. um, be able to work with the technology to make sure it doesn't say, no, you're wrong. This right? is, you know, this is the way it is now. Uh, so we can say, mm, we have a different perspective of that. And it, right. it considers it. It does. So it did seem humbly. to consider it. What I thought was really interesting was it apologized instead of saying there are two sets of, it's like, I, I see was both. Wrong. I, yeah. yeah. That was weird that, to me that it went to that position. Like I was wrong, you know, yeah. that was really surprising. I remember it. My daughter remembers it as Berenstein bears and, yeah. and not stain. So then right. the question was rephrased, you know, who are the Berenstein bears? And that's yes. when the AI chat said, oh, I apologize. I was incorrect. That's the when part I that previously blew my mind. answered. 
I was surprised that that they would have set it up that way. If it was programmed with that, like when you find competing evidence and both are equally, or maybe there's more attention recently to one than the other, to apologize. Mm-hmm. That's strange. I would Is have that thought, just to draw us in to trust it. Right. Like, I I don't mean to be cynical, but is it kind? Like, that's really amazing if it could be. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not an expert on the chat GPT and how they're doing it, but I do know that some artificial intelligence does program itself now. And Mm. we have reached that point where, you know, it's teaching itself, but then there needs to be a control on it because sometimes it seems like it goes a bit nuts. You know, it goes a little bonkers. (laughs) It was was truly interesting. This could really be the gateway to your future past life where, because like I, I have a, a, a child who embraces the thought of becoming part cyborg and that, that drives me crazy. <laughs> yeah. I don't see benefit in that myself, but if, if that's where people feel that's their happy place. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's not my happy place. <laughs> I'm like, are, are, are you for real? <laughs> and, and, she's up for the adventure you know like a, she's sure. creative she's artistic yeah i just want to tell you your microphone is rubbing on your staff oh, thank you thank you it's creating yeah. there you go yeah thank you yes uh, so um, it's it's an interesting time with with people who, who we love in different in um being at different ends of the spectrum of how things could go and accepting each other for who we are and where we want to be it's just an interesting time so we might fill people in on on what you're talking about uh last time we spoke and i think cynthia's probably shared this on many podcasts you spoke about um having memory of your most recent past life which was 500 years in the future where the world had turned into an ai controlled world do you want to explain to us what you experienced yeah it's kind of uh it's Boy, it's tough to summarize it (laughs) briefly because it's such. Well, now it's getting closer to what's happening here in this current reality, so it's easier and easier for people to understand. Like, whoa, this is pretty close. Um, But it's something I've been aware of all my life. Um, In this lifetime, in this reality, right now, uh, when I was quite young, I was very consciously, sentiently aware that I was being tracked, um, that I was being my thoughts. I was being sought out. It was like hide and seek. I was hiding. I didn't want to be found. And what was seeking me was this central AI from about 540 years before I was born. And I could feel it. I could. And so what I would do is it, when I got to be about five years old, then I learned to, or I was practicing the art rather of falling back, um, falling asleep backwards. <laughs> so I'd be tra- tracking my thoughts backwards through the day. It's like walking upstream through a river so you can't be followed. So I was changing the time sequence of the way I was thinking about things. Um, and the reason I was doing all this, which sounds crazy, <laughs> is because um, I could still remember this past life in a possible future. I would say right now, it's not going to be our future. I've, I've taken some steps to make sure that's the case because it, um, on the face of it, although it may sound wonderful, like a utopia, I think it's really a, more of a dystopia. And the reason I say that is there, there was, uh, we'll start with the good stuff. Um, there was a balance, the ecological systems on earth were in balance. The environment looked wonderful. Uh, humans were able to easily coexist with all of the plants and animals without any overpopulation, pollution, or crime of any kind. And the, the way that this was all 
enacted and enforced was through basically a central AI system. And by virtue of the fact that almost all humans at that time were, we might call it chipped right now, um, but it was much more extensive than just a chip. It was, they were enhanced. So humans can live to be hundreds of years old and that a lot of that was achieved through maintenance and upgrades. So just anytime some sort of organ or body part would start failing, you could get it modified and everybody was like partly robotic, um, partly enhanced. Uh, the problem was the way I saw it um, in that future. Uh, I was living with um, in the household of one, I think she was the only woman that was truly a human, 100% human and not with any of these upgrade upgrades. I'm gonna put quotes around it because the trouble with the upgrades is that the central AI could use anybody who was upgraded to shut them down. Um, kind of like you might turn off a robot if you felt it was malfunctioning. They were turning off humans that seemed to be malfunctioning. So if the human started thinking creatively, too creatively, and it didn't matter about what, but outside of, so in such a way that it was clear to the central AI that this human was about to do something that might potentially endanger the stasis of that um, very controlled community, then that human would be, I, I just call it memory wiped. What it would feel like would be a short-term memory loss. The person would just get sort of drowsy and kind of like brain fog of long COVID, frankly, I just went through that. It would feel like that, um, except even more of a shutdown. And then when they'd come back awake, they didn't know what they were doing. And if they kept persisting to follow the creative idea that was off limits, they just keep getting shut down, shut down, and shut down a little bit more until, uh, you know, and because they'd been enhanced, then they could be, their their brains could actually be kind of scrubbed. Um, and we have lobotomies. We don't do that anymore. But it was sort of an electronic uh, central AI controlled way to enforce. And so, um, but the woman, the one woman who was left, she felt something had gone terribly wrong with all of humanity. She felt that there must be ultimate goodness. And she felt that this was not, that that was not visible in this society. And I agreed with her. And there were many of us who were working with her who agreed with her. And I was not fully human. She was, I was not but it didn't matter because we decided I was more like a basically like a renegade part of um, it was like an undercover operative, if you want to call it that. That's probably the best way to describe it. So to the central AI, I look like part of what it was doing, but that's not real. I could not I could no longer go along with what it was doing because it seemed like it had shut down all future for humanity. So based on that, what we decided to do, we basically had something called the God Project, and that's what she called it. She said there must be some ultimate goodness that we can all feel that must be true at all levels, at all realities. And if that is the case, if there is a God, then we can completely undo this. It's possible then to jump back in time and space to a place where we can basically um, exert positive conscious agency influence with the decision makers of that time so that that future will not be selected. And that's why I'm here. And that's driven pretty much everything I've done in my life. I haven't really yeah. spoken about it much, but I can talk about it with you guys. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. Well, you know, that sort of uh, programming is happening even without AI, just with consciousness program, like hip, the hypnotic. I remember hearing about um, some secret space program guy that was programmed that every time a certain topic would come up, he would fall asleep. 
he would like if they're talking about this topic that he's not allowed to talk about he would just fall asleep as soon as they started questioning him and he'd just fall asleep and I thought that they had sort of programmed that into his brain so that he wouldn't speak about what he knew so he wouldn't reveal any secrets or whatever and it was so funny my brother was staying with me a few years ago he works in the military and I was trying to talk to him about spiritual stuff and I know I might be really boring but it was the same with him every time I brought up anything spiritual he would just fall asleep instantly and um, I thought well I'm either just so boring that he falls asleep or there's some programming going on here yeah it was bizarre when I told you I was being tracked by central AI from the future I personally was being tracked from the future I was part of there are many such possible futures and I'm no longer being tracked by that central AI but there are others. And uh, a lot of people have had, uh, what I'm saying is, I believe this is actually happening. And I, I know that people are being influenced and they have different reactions to it. Um, I shared with you my reaction to it. I think that this is where we got movies like The Terminator, which I couldn't even watch. It was too, I was like, this is too close to home. It, it's different, but it was too simple. It was freaky. And also The Matrix, that was very freaky. So things like that, it's like, okay, this is really cutting close to um the zeitgeist, we can feel it. There were lots of people who come from these um, possible futures. They were exploring it like I was. And I, I know that um, the technology is here, clearly. And so, but the thing is, a lot of us who were in those possible futures, I was a renegade there. That's what I was doing, was basically finding a way, how do we shut this down? There are mm-hmm. a lot of, it's not just me. There are a lot of people who know that that's pure evil. We know what evil is. We know what good is. So, you know, we can even include atheists in this if you know what ultimate goodness is. And you know, I love to ask how good can it get? Yeah. Well, that's what I'm doing is calling it like we can do this. We can change things. And it's so interesting to hear you say that this that you're seeing signs of it. <laughs> yeah. I, and I suspect that there would be people here that are trying to um, that have come from that that are trying to sort of make it happen. Like you're trying to stop it and there are people who are trying to make it. And it's interesting that you talk about open AI. I I went on there the other day to try and um, look at it and they wanted my phone number. And when I got to that, I went, why do you need my phone number? Like, why do you need my phone number? And I stopped there. So what do you think about this open, this um, chat GPT, which they say is like (laughs) the next best thing. It's like, it's going to, I think there's a guy called DeGogo that has this podcast and he said it's going to usurp Google's influence chat GPT. I heard some problems uh, just today. I saw my, uh, it's been installed on Microsoft. I, I haven't used it there, but some people were trying it out and they hit some problems with it. So um, one of them got in into some sort of an infinite loop where it looked like it went nuts. And another one, it was basically delivering incorrect information and then arguing about it. It was insisting it was 2022. And when the person talking to the chat GPT on the Microsoft platform was saying, no, I have evidence that it's 2023. Then the chat GPT responded with, um, you know, you're being rude and I'm going to leave unless you apologize and admit you're wrong or, you know, it had other options, but it's like, whoa. So it, it needs work. I'd say it needs to go back to the developing room. You know, clearly there are some problems. <laughs> yeah. Brad's got a question. Anyone, do you want to come on camera? I'm going to pop you on camera. Tell me now. Sure. Yeah, sure. There you go. Hi, Hi Cynthia. Hi. thanks for your videos they they bring me great comfort actually i don't understand a lot of them i'm i'm not i they're they're hard for me to understand but i i really love 
them and I love seeing it. I was in the Bay Area for most of my life and I can sort of feel the light. I guess that's your backyard that you're in. Yeah. And I can I can sort of I understand the light and stuff, you know, but I, I really it's it's great. But I was just wondering, um, I was just wondering how you were you mentioned the two weeks in 87 where you were connecting with those beings. And I was wondering how you made that connection and and did you physically like how did you get to them was that in some sort of meditative state or or yeah it was yeah it's a great question it was it felt like I'd work my regular day job at Citibank 10 hour a day come home do dishes have dinner you know all that the normal stuff and and then I'd go to bed during those two weeks and then as soon as I hit the pillow um it's like I'd wake up inside the dream it's like instantly and it was sort of exhausting because I'd have a full day and then I'd have a full night of, um, so I, I know my body was in my bed. I know I didn't, because I was telling my husband at the time that something weird is going on. And I was pointing out the window. I said, I'm on spaceships at night. Like, it, cause I was pretty freaked out actually. Uh, I'm just pointing out the window and he said, I don't see them. Where are they? And I said, well, I can tell what they're doing. They're collapsing, they're miniaturizing, but they're there. And I told him a little bit about what was going on aside from him I didn't tell anybody at the time what was happening Um, but it felt like I was just in a in a lucid dream I'd been a lucid dreamer since childhood Um, so that state of mind was normal to me and it meant that I'm I know who I am inside the dream I know it's like a dream but I also know it's real and I know that the beings that I'm communicating with are also real and and I knew what we were doing was real so that's what kind of freaked me out a lot at that time um, because there wasn't a lot of, I saw no other books about this and I didn't really want to be sharing much about it because it felt like this sounds insane. <laughs> you know, now I think it's not so much because with Gaia, there are all these programs about people, I think often telepathically or in dreams or daydream or meditative states being able to access this. And that's really what it was like. And since then, I've been in touch with some of the team members um, from time to time. My After the project ended, I basically gave a hard stop. Like, you guys, I know that was important, but don't, don't bother me unless everybody on earth knows that you guys are real. Don't come into my real life just yet because I don't want to be that weird. <laughs> now I think it's more okay. I, I think we have hit that point where it seems like even though disclosure may not be what people were hoping it would be, it's pretty darn good. It's pretty solid thanks thanks and yeah i just want to say like i yeah it's not when I, I have to sort of clarify it's not that i don't understand like the, the your videos in a sense and that's that's a very general term obviously some things are more easier for me to grasp than others i just feel like i i just love just like i feel like i like there's a certain like honesty and like um i feel like i can really feel that a certain honesty and and well clarity of heart i guess when you make your videos that for me just feels really comfortable to mm-hmm. to to just be around you know and just to listen to and 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 i take in what i can but i definitely feel like you're on another level and i don't mean that that's better or worse than my level or anything like that it just i just feel like you're on another level than i am and and i and it's really fascinating that's all so oh, thank you sure yeah sure that's beautiful. I really appreciate hearing all that. Thank you so much. Thanks for the question too. Thanks, Brady. 
I've got a question in um, regards to Shirley, Shirley, Shirley. So Shirley's a big fan of your work. She's the person that introduced me to you and she's been raving about you forever. (laughs) And, you know, when we are really like in love with someone, obviously it's reflecting a part of us and what we're here to do. So when you tune into Shirley, what do you think that Shirley's here to do? Do you think that she's sort of got a similar mission to you? Oh, yeah. She seems like a bright light and a a very clear communicator at high levels. So she's working, it feels like she's working with, um, I was talking about those higher levels of conscious agency, and I can really feel she sparkles there. (laughs) So that lights things up for everybody. It's like it brings magic. You know, people that do that, we might notice like you have fairy energy or you got angels with you. You might notice sparkles around her if you're looking at her. So, you know, there's definitely a lot of that. But she seems like a like she bridges things. She brings people together that otherwise might not know, um, you know, who they are or how they can relate. And that's so important at this time. It seems like we're um, at the world right now is at a point where we'll be doing a lot of grassroots management of the whole planet. When I, I, that's what I foresee the best possible outcome to me is instead of the one world imposed government, some central AI or something like that. It'll be instead grassroots and local organization. And so this is the key. And it feels like Shirley has um, has some of the magic of how that can start to come together just by, you know, being that in the world and just communicating so beautifully. So, yeah, so this one world government that they're talking about you know, as I look into a future which is a, a more uplifting, positive future, I think a one-world government is actually a really good idea, but the consciousness of the government has to be very inclusive and unified with the people as opposed to wanting to control. Uh, but so but you're saying that as we move into a future, this one-world government won't happen. It'll be more about um, little, like, self-governing, like, areas like councils. What what do you see? Well, you know, I love to ask how good can it get? So that's what I tend to sort of lock on to. Like, that's the target. Like, how good can it get? And when I was growing up, my parents would take me to see uh, civilizations and cultures before they got westernized. So I was fortunate to go to see a headhunter village where, you know, they hadn't done headhunting for decades. It's been at least 30 years, they said. And that's so I wasn't scared because they seem like nice people. And um, but they lived on houses that were up above, uh, like made of bamboo. So the floors had had holes in the slats and they had chickens and pigs underneath. And the these houses are up, up, up above the mud, above the dirt. And it was um, really interesting to see all the different ways that people live. I visited some, um, you know, ma- uh, some people in Africa that lived in a, de- uh, what do you call it? It's kind of like, the savannas, just open expanses with no electricity. So the stars were just so beautiful at night. And they had a very different culture and a different civilization. And then I visited islanders in the Pacific um, Ocean who also were not connected with mainstream anything. You know, (laughs) there were no McDonald's there. Um, So these are places that may not have had really that many cars, may not have had electricity, Um, definitely were living from their own indigenous roots in every case. And that was extraordinary. 
So because I grew up being able, blessed with that experience, I witnessed just the way that there's a there's a human connection with all of us. And you can be a stranger in any land and not speak the language and be welcomed, greeted, and loved just as you are by people who you know, have that clarity of their being. And that was the norm. That's pretty much the way people are. So by witnessing that, um, I think it's it's easier for me to to sort of view a possible future where each uh, culture can be true to how it fits, how it's a guardian for its specific part of the ecosystem in that area. Um, so, you know, it's in, here in America, we have so many ecosystems, but the indigenous First Nations people, they knew how to be the managers for each of the ecosystem environments, whether it's the Southwest, which is very arid and hot, or the Pacific Northwest, which is very damp and wet, uh, you name it. So just depending on where they are, they know their land, they know their place, and they're tuned into it. And that's the kind of magic I feel when I connect with the earth in my home. So just coming full circle back, could a world government ever properly understand all of that? Um, maybe, but I don't know that we're that close to it right now. I think what's closer for humanity is to have um, some global connectedness. We know we're part of one earth, but it should I don't think it should be holding such tight reins on um, on what's possible for us to do and what is required. I think when there are requirements and mandates put in place, um, such as, you know, the digital ID that they gave to the people of East Palestine, Ohio, uh, three months before this disaster occurred, which is interesting timing. Um, I think it's better just uh, for to trust people and not to trust these um, systems that are, you know, free tracking systems with a digital ID rollout. Um, mm. I, I would really prefer not to see the digital ID rollout personally. I'd rather see people connect with their own local communities and their own local nature. And for the central government, if there is one, to be respectful always first of what's needed at that local area, um, just like we would do with our own bodies. So we need to be respectful. Respect and reverence needs to make a big comeback as well as ethics and integrity. Yeah, absolutely. So how how do the people have any control over things like digital ID rights? Because it's like the train has left the station with that one and they're rolling them out. I mean, if you refuse, then they can sort of, I don't know, put you in jail or cut you off from your tax return or I don't know. What can they do? Like how can we shift that reality when you say you prefer it not to happen and yet it is something that's rolling out? I think I think it's India and um and the UK I think uh -huh. India has something that's rolled out already and the UK is about to enforce it yeah so what, what can we do to not participate in it and not be put in jail I think we need to make a local stand right where we are in our local uh, areas um, that's the most effective thing to do take uh, courage and those who are fighting that good fight like Jeff Childers of Florida he's doing he's advocating the same thing and He's currently working in the United States on the case of Missouri versus Biden, um, which is probably the biggest civil rights case ever to be held um, in the United States courts. So, and what he's recommending is that each and every one of us look to what we can do locally in our own local area, in our county, in our little village, wherever we may be, and hold our, our 
governing body accountable for what's already going on. Um, like what's happening, like the situation in um, Palestine, East Palestine, Ohio, uh, people that live there can start holding their representatives responsible and accountable for what the heck is going on. We may not be able to fight it at the national level. I mean, that case is national, but um, we can each have the biggest success uh, dealing with things that are local to us. Uh, and so I, I can't give specifics because each case is different, um, but I, I'm certainly concerned about the direction things are going because that looks like the dystopia that I just came from. I can assure you, we don't want that. So I, I've, I've never had a cell phone. And part of the reason I never did is because of my life in the past, you know, this 500 years thing in the future. <laughs> I know there's no way that I want any kind of digital ID. I don't, I can see that coming from the cell phone rollout back in the eighties. So never wanted one, never got one, still don't plan to get one. So how do people contact you on landlines today? Yeah. Or like now through zoom, through Skype. So mm -hmm. email, yeah. email. Yeah. Um, I think with Penny Kelly, you know, she wrote a book called The Robes. Do you know who Penny Kelly is? Another yes, I do. consciousness, yeah, teacher. And um, so the cat's crawling all over me. And, uh, you know, in that future, so they showed her a future, a probable future. They said that humans would group into like family groups and they would create these communities, you know, communities. And there, there would be technology. The technology that I love that she talked about was there as a technology um, that was like a, a fourth field that went over the garden. But this field, this energy field, created its own atmosphere so that they could grow anything inside this garden uh, that and you weren't beholden on whether the weather, you know, whether it rained or didn't rain, it would like everything would thrive in this sort of energy field. And uh, so that was pretty cool. And they said that, you know, everything that was eaten was that came from the kitchen garden, like shops and supermarkets disappeared and everything came from the garden. I'm like, wow. I think I think she said it was like 200 years in the future, this probable reality. Yeah, I was going to say that's going to be a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we'll see some good technology coming. I know we will. And that's been remote viewed by other remote viewers as well, like Stephen Schwartz. He was uh, talking with Jeffrey Mishlove on the Thinking Aloud YouTube channel. And he was remote viewing not just himself, but he was coordinating teams of people to remote view the year 2050, which is not that far in the future now, and also 2060. Um, mostly to find out, um, will we still be around? Will there be some nuclear disaster? There's no nuclear disaster. And we are still around and there are some really cool technologies. So I think that supports, it's in alignment with what Penny Kelly is seeing. And I like that. I like that direction of um, moving in a positive way so we can work with artificial intelligence, work with um, technologies like what Penny is seeing. Yeah. And yeah, and just engage in um, things that are positive in all the best ways for everybody yeah like we spoke about last time on the show um, you know looking into the future there is several well many probable futures out there timelines that we can yes. elect to believe in and be on so when somebody is remote viewing to 2050 as you say it's only around the corner like which reality are they viewing? I mean, how, like, what do you, if you're going to remote view the future, how do you set it up? Like, how do you do that? That you're, you're viewing a reality that you're it's, actually. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think it's pretty tricky, um, but I like the format that Stephen Schwartz was using because he would, instead of asking leading questions, he would ask, um, he started the, he put someone into sort of a state of hypnosis, apparently, and then ask them, uh, so you're waking up, where are you? You're in your structure. So he's not saying um, that it's a house or an apartment necessarily. It might be in their car, might be in a cardboard box under the freeway. So he's not guiding it in any way, but even without it guiding it, it seemed like households were pretty normal. Some of the technology was very novel, like the roads themselves were providing some kind of energy support for the vehicles traveling on them and that kind of thing. Um, But it's a good question you're asking. And I know that it's a problem for people to remote view the future and be able to pin it down because there are so many possible futures. And it's, um, I I don't think that's an easy obstacle to overcome. I like to keep asking how good can it get because it can keep guiding us. And we know yeah. what good is. We do know what good is. Yeah. How good can it get? How good yeah. can it get? So rather than what if it all goes wrong, how right. good can it get? Because we do tend to sort of be programmed into thinking, you know, what if what what if it go, all goes wrong? You know, that sort of fear thing. It, yeah. Yeah. Now, what was the question? I had another question that I was going to ask. It's it's um. It's gone. It's gone. Does anyone else have any questions that are on Zoom? There's a few. Gloria, have you got a question? Yes. Hello. Hi, Cynthia. Good to meet you on video. Hi, Gloria. I lost you. Um, Hang on. Where are you? There you are. I lost you. There you go. Let me put you on. There you go. um, So I have a couple of things. First of all, have you seen the movie Mr. Nobody? I don't think so. How old is it? Is it recent or new? It's it's on for free, but it's it's what you were describing about that woman that was the last human. Oh wow! It, yeah, so it's this guy that's the last human that is going to the last mortal human that's right. going to die, and throughout his life, um, he's living out simultaneously different lives with three different wives. Okay, so he's going he's going back and forth and jumping, jumping, jumping. And he's telling it from like, he's 110 years old or something, but you got to watch it. It's really, it's, you'll love it. Um, But I wanted to tell you about this. I mean, I am having these, I feel like I'm shifting left and right. If I think something it's there. Right. If I, if I pick up the phone and someone's calling and it doesn't say it was someone I was just, I mean, it's just amazing, but what happened recently was back in 2017, I was working at this place um, and I went to leave and someone was parked behind me and I couldn't get out. And I went into this rage. I was so angry and finally found who was there, but it was someone who had gone to lunch. And so they didn't know where he was. And so by the time he made it, back there I was yelling and screaming at him and yelling and screaming at him and then I remember like a few years later I was ordering a lunch um, at a place and this guy was looking at me very rudely glaring into my eyes and at some moment I thought that's him but I didn't want to say anything so fast forward to like a month ago and I was thinking about that and I was like I really want to apologize to him So I messaged him on Facebook and I said, 
I want to apologize for yelling at you like a crazy woman in the parking lot. And, you know, I, you know, I just feel like that we had a really good friendship before then. And so he, he messages me back and said, I don't remember you ever yelling at me in the parking lot. I don't remember any of that. Mm-hmm. He goes, we've always had a great relationship. It's responsible of you to come forward, but that didn't, you know, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> right. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you mean, I felt guilty about this, but I feel like I jumped to where that didn't happen. Yes. You know what I mean? Is that what it sounds like? Oh, totally. That's what it sounds like. And that can happen all the time, pretty much in any situation. Yeah, absolutely. This is the kind of thing that happens a lot. And people, they'll, they'll of course, a lot of people who are um, skeptical of the whole phenomenon of reality shifting, quantum jumping, Mandela effects, they'll say, you know what they'll say? Well, you know, you must have misremembered it. You must have mixed him up with someone else, blah, blah, blah. Or he's, memory's faulty. He must have forgotten. We don't like to remember bad things, blah, blah, blah. But I'd say no. <laughs> and, and I've had, I think, I don't know if you watch all my videos, but I did have one recently, not too long ago, talking about, there was a book that I wrote that had something that upset people. And I was feeling bad about it. It's my book, Aura Advantage. I used to talk about how my salad had talked to me and I heard it and I was talking to it and it was freaking out vegetarians, really freaking them out. And so I'd get like, I don't know, anywhere from two to six emails every year. And they'd just be steady, you know, like every year, like, oh, here's another one. Like, I have to apologize again. Sorry about that. Didn't mean to upset everyone. And then one year, they just stopped coming. And um, and then uh, recently, this last year, I, I wanted to share that little passage from my book with another author because he was talking about something that was so similar, but I couldn't find the passage in my book. It was gone. And then I realized I haven't gotten those emails in about five or six years. And I realized my book has changed. It's no longer the same Aura Advantage book. It doesn't have my salad talk to me in there anyway. Wow. Wow. Well, that's that's what I feel like happened. And, 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 you know, not only that, but it keeps happening very quickly. Like what happened between you and I. Okay. So I wrote to Karen and just say um, that, I can't believe that you have Cynthia on there this weekend because I had emailed you, right? Yes. That was before I knew about this. Oh, so I emailed <laughs> you, okay. And I said, if you need any help, you know, whatever. The next day I get her email that you're going to be on here this, this weekend. And this is what keeps happening to me. Yes. So it's, it's like I had, um, I, I belong to this other group and I would think things like, um, Oh, I wish so-and-so would comment on this feed every now and then. I really want to know what they think because they never would comment. Well, the next day there's a comment from them. Oh, I wish so-and-so would offer a public um, session free. Next day, she offers a public session free. Oh, I wish I had a friend who is spiritual that lives around me. Someone goes, joins the network and says, oh, I live in Vermont. And I'm like, Vermont, I'm in Vermont. She lives 20 minutes from me. And she's a dog trainer and I've had a horrible time with my dog. And I'm like, what is going on? Mastery, Gloria. It's fun, but. (laughs) Mastery, darling. You're reaching mastery. That's what's happening. (laughs) Ah, okay. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, 
beautiful i had one of those dreams too on a on a ship um like i often have vid- i wake up just a little bit when i'm dreaming like i'm not fully awake but i'm flying through space and i can see everything coming through me mm-hmm. and then this one dream i had i and all i'm saying during that time is it's so beautiful it's so beautiful mm-hmm. and that this time i noticed that i was actually on a ship and i looked over here and there was like this big panel. I was standing in front of a huge glass wall and there was somebody that was sitting right there and said to me, wait till you see who's behind you. Like it was someone that I hadn't seen in so long. And I turned around and I woke up. <laughs> Do you remember who it was? I don't know. <laughs> Oh my gosh. There's there's orbs coming out of you again, um, Gloria. Um, Mm -hmm. A a few years back when Gloria was in the inner sanctum, we used to like, she used to have these little orbs or used to still has these little orbs and fairies Mm -hmm. because she's in a quite a dark room. So they're easy to see. Yeah, it keeps, it goes light, dark, light, dark. Um, Yeah, we have the, we had the fairy come and kiss me in the ear. Yeah, the fairy that was bizarre the fairy yeah so that's what happens when you raise your vibe when you move out of Mm -hmm. um negative thinking into positive thinking and feel like uh you 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 know you're you're loving loving life and loving to be here then you become you become masterful and you know your thoughts manifest quicker yeah you have a thought and you see it yeah Uh very cool like the experience on the ship too very nice (laughs) yeah yeah. yeah, look for me next time, will you? <laughs> I'll be behind you. <laughs> you won't believe who's behind you. What we might do is uh, thank you for everybody that's been watching on the streaming platforms. There's been a few mm-hmm. peeps on YouTube. Hey, Karen. Hey, Karen Doyle. And uh, Tracy, wow, Cynthia. Tracy's had a few things. Cynthia, can you explain things disappearing? One might see the whole picture. Wow, erased. I have um, asked for erased time. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I understand that. And um, and Yin says, Cynthia, your insight is quite profound. Uh, Tracy also says, my library co-worker said the real name is how it ended up. Don't know what that means. Anyway. Get better, Mama Bear says. Oh, thank you. And hello from Los Angeles. Um, I don't know if we're gonna if that's a question you can answer. Uh, and Vladdy says, I feel like Gloria will remember who she was behind her dream once she's ready. Oh, thanks, Vladdy. Um, can you explain things disappearing? Do you want to answer that one? Yeah, well, it's, it's I, my current working theory is that things don't dis- appear, disappear, or reappear so much as we are the ones moving through. We are the consciousness, and that's it's all a matter of who we are. So if we recognize that we're the ones sort of <laughs> orchestrating the physical reality that seems real, but it's more of a waking dream, like reality itself is kind of a, a construct in the sense some people call it the simulation but an older idea is that it's all a dream so if this is a dream then it's easier to recognize like just like in a dream something might be there and then it's gone and we're actually witnessing that in this waking life reality increasingly um, as our 
as our emotions and our energy levels rise. And uh, so that's a very common experience, actually, for things to disappear yeah. Yeah. and then also reappear or just appear that never were there before. Yes. I know I had an experience when my best friend took her life years ago, many years ago. I was on the beach and I found this little pierced silver earring on the beach. And I said to everyone, is this your earring? Is this your earring? Is this your earring? And they said, no, no, no. And I don't have pierced ears, so it wasn't mine. And uh, so for some reason, I took that earring home. And then a few weeks later, I'm cleaning out my car and I find the earring in my car. And I'm like, oh, that must be the earring from the beach that I picked up. And so I took it into my bedroom and realized that another earring was still there like that so now I had two of these earrings it was the most bizarre thing I asked everybody I know who had been in the car who'd been on the beat like if this was their earring it was nobody's earring but there I had two of them like I don't know where this earring came from but I think it must have had something to do with my friend who had um passed because I was thinking about her a lot at that time yeah things appearing I think they call them apports don't they yeah, that's one word for it. Um, there's some, some people call it disappearing object phenomenon or um, just one of those things, J-O-T-T. That was the term that Mary Rose Barrington came up with. And I want to give her credit because apparently she was researching it for the last hundred years and she's passed away now. But I, I think I picked up that torch and, and carried the firsthand reports on the Reality Shifters website for the last 25 years now. So we have quite a large archive of these phenomena. It's been around for a long time and it yeah. goes way back before even a hundred years ago. So humans yeah, have been yeah. noticing these things a long time. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to go off the live now. We'll have a bit of a chat with just the people that are on Zoom. Is there anything you want to leave with people who are listening and watching to this on, on the streaming platforms before yeah. we go off the live? Just a thought about when, when asking how good can it get, you don't need to already be feeling Pollyanna or perfect. It's okay to be wherever you are. And even if you're feeling grief-stricken, anxious, sad, angry, um, you can ask that question from any of those states. It's not only a question to ask when you're already perfectly happy. It's a powerful question. It, it, can, it gives permission for nature to start responding to and answering that question. Even if you're asking it ironically, sarcastically, angrily, anxiously, fearfully, with grief, with, with any of those emotions, it's fine. And it's extremely powerful. So I do encourage everyone to give it a go. It, it, you don't need to be perfect to ask it. That, that's something that I, I didn't even think of until just a month or two ago when another YouTuber mentioned, like he said, I can't do what Cynthia says. I can't ask how good can it get because I don't. To me, things aren't that happy, but you don't have to be happy to ask it. So I hope people wow. do it anyway. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, you don't have to be happy to ask it. How good can it get? Yeah, I think that that's the time that you want to ask it when you're not, when you're not, you know, happy with your circumstances. How good can it get? How good can it get? But it does seem counterintuitive when you're experiencing struggles. Yes. To sort of quantum leap and say, how good can it get? Because you're in the sort of struggle mindset. Yep. And the how good can, it's a different mindset, <laughs> isn't it? But yeah, powerful, powerful statement. How good can it get? Thank you again for um, can, can I, chatting can I with tell you us. one more thing? Can I tell sure you one though. more thing? Does yeah. this break me out? I, I just want to want to show you something that appeared in my garden, like what you were talking about. So when I was a kid, I used to be called glowworm. 
Gloria Glowworm. And somebody got me this uh, worm. See the little worm? And it's got uh -huh. a. So I'm in my yard and my dog is digging, and this comes up. Can you see it? No. Is it a rock? A rock? It's a rock. Okay, there. See it? Oh, it has a worm on it. Oh. Yeah. See what it says? Sorry. Not and quite. it's the same, the same drawing. It's like a drawing. Oh. Of this. Oh my gosh. My goodness. So That's how did it bizarre. get there? <laughs> it was in your garden. It was my dog was digging. <laughs> and it was in a hole, like deep underground. <laughs> I went and asked the neighbor if maybe could your grandkids have made some. I mean, really though, come on. That's amazing. <laughs> Love it. It flipped me out at the time, but now it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> of course. Anyway, thank you. It's, it's crazy. Nice. Well, you. we'll stay on Zoom because we're going to stay on Zoom for a bit more. I'm just going to go off the live, say goodbye okay. to people that are um, listening on the live, and we'll just have a bit of a chat amongst all of us that are on Zoom.